If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you that that applies to. I'm, I am a happy father. Thank you very much. But I want to just jump right into the word f- for a moment and then we'll, we'll do some announcements and Pastor Brennan will receive the offering toward the end of the service. Is that okay? Are we spirit-filled enough that we can change the order of service? Okay, I just wonder. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. This young woman, she brought her fiancé to meet her mom and dad and uh, had, her, had him over for dinner. And So her mother tells the dad, the, the mother tells the father, Would you, won't you take him to, uh, you know, to another room and, and get to know about him and find some things out about him. So, so the dad takes the... the the young fiance, his daughter's fiance, to the room and says, uh, "Well, young man," he said, um, "You know, we're going to make this thing happen. I'm going to need to get to know you if you're going to be my son-in-law." He said, "What? What? Uh, what do you do?" He said, "Well, I'm a I'm a Bible scholar." He said, "Oh, you are a Bible scholar, huh?" He said, "Well," he said, "What do you plan? How do you plan on providing for my daughter? I mean, she's used to being in a good home. How are you going to provide a house?" Well, I'm going to study real hard and my Bible studies, and, and, and God will provide. I said, okay, well, okay, well, how's, how are you going to feed her? How are you going to, how are you going to supply her needs? Because she's going to have needs. And he said, well, I'm, I'm just going to really devote myself to my studies, and God will provide. And um, he said, okay, well, um, and every time he asked a question, the answer kept, continued to come back. I'm going to really focus on my studies. And God will provide. So after the evening was spent, two left, and the mother comes to the father. She said, well, what did you find out? And he said, well, uh, a couple of things is that he, he doesn't have a home, he doesn't have a job, and he doesn't really have any plans, but apparently he thinks I'm God. I missed you guys. That response right there was worth coming home to. Anytime that you have a f- the sound of pain after I tell you a joke, you don't know what that does to me. That blesses me <laughs> tremendously. Laughter is, uh, yeah, you expect laughter of joke, but to hear people go, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm twisted that way, but I really thoroughly enjoy that. So you gave me the response I was looking for, so <laughs> all right. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, as... You therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you therefore have received, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? How did you receive him? By faith. Somebody went to Bible college. (laughs) By faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So the very initial meeting with God, the moment that we became the new creation in Christ that we are, that we, be, we became the righteousness of God in him, we became a child of God, was the moment we believed this glorious gospel, this message that came to us, that Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried, and Christ rose again from the dead. That message right there has all the power in it 
to save a man's life. It gives eternal life. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So that initial moment where you became a child of God was when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, as you have received him, so walk in him. Mm. So walk in him. So that is in the same way that you started is the same way that you keep going. By faith. Scripture also says we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. The just shall live by faith. And we go from faith to faith. Faith for salvation to faith to live by. So how many of you believe that you, I mean, you fully believe in what Christ did for you, that he really did make you a new creation? Can I just, just raise your hand? How many of you believe that you are eternally alive right now because you've accepted Christ as your son, because you've believed on him? You believe right now. That is your reality. How many of you believe right now you are seated with him in the heavenly places? Can I get a good amen? How many of you believe that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Right? How many of you believe that you have an inheritance with God? That you're not a slave anymore, but now you're a son in the kingdom of God, right? You're not a slave. You are a son. You're in the family of God. If you're a son, the scripture said, then you're an heir. There's an inheritance for you. And we think about big thoughts like that, right? Big, big thoughts, grand thoughts. Wow. It helps us realize we are more than what we see. There's more to us. There's more to this life. There's more to this God. There's more to this reality, this wonderful kingdom of God that we are now a part of. We were translated out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. But how many of you know we can't see any of that? That's all out there in the invisible, right? And it's glorious and it's miraculous. But my question is, and my challenge to all of you today is, to think about how you can believe for those such large things, but then struggle believing for things here in the natural, like a new car. Right? Believe that you're safe from all your sins, but struggle believing for better things here. Oh, I've got a mansion in heaven. We used to sing it when I was a kid. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You remember that song? We used to sing about this, right? But then struggle to believe for just a simple house here, to get out of debt and to have this house free from debt. I think about, I mean, we know that in heaven, praise God, we, oh, what a glorious life that we will live. There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no headaches, allergies, diseases. There's none of that there. But then when it comes to here, just we find ourselves many times just coping and dealing rather than overcoming. We don't have any problem believing for it in the invisible, but when it comes to what we can see, that is the challenge, isn't it? But faith works in both realms, the unseen and the seen. Faith, faith calls those things that be not as though they are. Abraham told Isaac, God will provide for himself a lamb. Did God do it? Was it a, an invisible lamb? Or did one show up in the natural? 
Abraham didn't consider, the scripture says, even his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. He did not consider his own body. He didn't consider the natural, the limitation, the hindrance, the problem. He only considered what God said. The scripture says he was persuaded of God and he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Oh, man. As you have received him, so walk in him. Believe that everything that he has provided is for you. Not only there, but here, now. I want you to turn over to, look down to verse, uh, where am I about that? Everybody all right? Anybody happy? So by faith is how you receive Christ, and by faith is how you walk in him. You know, God has so much more for you. He has so much more for you than what you realize. I believe, and Heather and I pray for you, that you would, everywhere you go, would, would find the favor of God in your life. Whatever situation you come into, that you there would find God's favor. That you would have the advantage. That you would rise to the top. That you would overcome. That you would be promoted. That you would live in health and wholeness. That you, your marriage would be strong. That your children would be taught of the Lord and great would be their peace. These are the kind of things that we're believing for you. Because we have something that this earth needs to see. The scripture calls us the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Then in one other place, he said, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Say that. I am the light of the world. You are the light. So there's, that means there's something that you need to show. There's something that the world needs to see. Since, since the world's not so tapped into the spiritual side, it's limited to the sensual realm, that which we can taste, touch, smell, and hear and see. So they need to see something, don't they? That's why you need to prosper. That's why you need to prosper. That's why you need to be healed. That's why you need to be whole. That's why you need to have joy when it doesn't, there's no reason for you to have joy. That's why you need to have this peace about you when there's no reason to have it. That's why you need the wisdom of God. So that they can see what is going on. That light is sure shining bright of his glory. That you become rich because God made you rich, not because man made you rich. So Abraham said, no, I'm, no man is going to say he made Abraham rich. I'm rich by God's blessing on my life. And let me remind you today that you are blessed with believing Abraham. There's so much attack on this today in the church. I don't understand why. Oh, it's that health and wealth stuff. Oh, you don't want it? I'll take it. I'll take it. Jesus paid too great a price for, for me to live some bottom-of-the-bucket kind of living. He paid too great a price for me. Why does it say that he who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ? Why does it say that he became poor, that I would become rich? Well, that's talking about spiritual riches. No, really? Really? Okay, then that means he became spiritually poor. If we're going to keep it in context. But we, through his poverty, 
would become rich. And if you look that up in the Greek, it says the outward material wealth. Outward material. I don't know how else to define that. I don't know how to spiritualize outward material wealth. I want to, right? If I'm religious, I want to. I just wish that scripture wouldn't stop there. Because my doctrine and my creed and my denomination says this. <laughs> but it's there. And be it unto you according to your faith. God wants you to prosper. Why? Because he has a world to show his love to. He has a world to show his grace to. And we see that we're connected to God. If we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, let me just help you here for a moment. Then you're automatically blessed with every natural blessing. You can't really separate the two things. Because everything starts in the spirit. God spoke, light be. And God began to speak what we see in the material out of the invisible. The visible out of the invisible. You're getting this. So if you're blessed with every invisible spiritual blessing, then the natural blessings are yours too. Y'all should be really amening right now. Did I run off and leave you? Huh? I hope, the, hope this is challenging you today and encouraging you today to not just be satisfied with a normal lifestyle, but God has more. God has more. Are you hearing me? God has more. His name is El Shaddai, one of his names, and it means the God of more than enough. So God doesn't even, God doesn't even have in his vocabulary enough. Good enough. It's not, even in his, it's not even in his name. He's the God of more than enough. Amen. So just when you think you can't stand anymore, guess who he is? I'm more than enough. Okay, then there's more to have. There's more to know. There's more to see. There's more to experience. For his glory. Even when, when I was um, away from this beautiful creature right here, she was taking care of business. Oh, let me say, if you weren't, did y'all hear her preach last week? Wow. I listened, uh, I listened to her podcast, How to Be Who You Are and Do What You Do. And I want to encourage you, if you already did hear it, listen to it again. It was really good. It's up on our website. It's free. All of our sermons are online at onecausechurch.com. Just tremendous job. Did an awesome job. But... It was interesting. While I was there, I was taking, I was out at this camp uh, north, uh, north of Pretoria, about 25 kilometers or so. And, I, and it was beautiful. And out in, the, out in the bush, but this camp, I mean, it's really nice. They had me in this personal little cabin, and it was really cool. And I'd walk out, I'd walk outside, and I'd walk behind it, and I'd look out there, and there'd be impalas running through the bush. I just thought, I just need one thing a gun. I just need a gun. If I always had a dream for Africa, two things, to preach the gospel and to shoot something. I'm halfway there. I have preached the gospel, and now I just need to shoot something. But anyway, I was walking, and they had all these trails all through there, so you can just enjoy looking at the different uh, you know, scenery and the, the, the different animals that are around there. 
And I, I'm walking on the street, and one day I, just, I looked up, I said, God, there's just one problem here besides not having a gun. The other problem is my wife's not here to enjoy this with me. And I was missing her so much. And, um, and last Friday morning on June 7th, there was a woman in Johannesburg who, uh, in a church that administered, she woke up thinking about my wife. Never met her, never seen her. She said, I've got to buy Pastor Eric's wife something. And so when I got back into town from that camp to Johannesburg, they, they took me to this mall. And they said, she said, I've got, I want to buy your wife. She said, I saw pearls. I want to buy your wife some pearls. I'm like, cool. Well, what she didn't know was that when I was in India just before that, I, was, I had an opportunity to buy a pearl, and Ryan bought it out from under me. And now, we actually had two to look at. Ryan bought one. And I looked at it, and they were black pearls, really pretty. And I came that close to buying it. I thought, hmm. No, I'm not. I'm going to wait. I'm not, I'm not going to buy it this time. And this woman comes up out of her sleep dreaming about buying pearls for Heather. And uh, so I encouraged her and told her about that story. So she got really excited and really felt like that the Lord had spoken to her. So then they took me to this mall. Anyway, and this mall had all these jewelry stores um, in it. And so finally, we're looking. She's got something specific in her mind. She's like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. She goes, what do you think? I said, I'm, I'm sure for the ride. <laughs> you just do what's in your heart to do. So... We finally end up at this one jewelry store that's got like double doors. It's a double security. You walk through this one door, then you have to stand there, and then this little green light comes on, the second door opens, and I walk in there, I'm like, this is not like in any ordinary jewelry store that we've walked in at this point. Everything is high dollar, high dollar. And so I'm looking around, and I get a little bit nervous that we've stepped in here for her sake, right? Because I don't know what these people, I have no idea what they make or anything. I just think, oh my gosh, this is a whole other level here. And so she's looking around, and she goes, that's it. That's it right there. Pastor, come here, look at this. What do you think of that? And I went, yeah, that's great. You know, I don't want to act too excited, you know? I didn't want, I didn't want to come across greedy or anything, you know? So I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that's really nice. She goes, that's what we're going to get her. Come here. So she buys this, these pearl earrings and this beautiful pearl necklace for my bride. And is that great? God was thinking of her. Unbeknownst to anyone there, Heather was here dealing with everything else, right? She's taking care of the kids. And many of you know that that's tough when you're by yourself, right? Taking care of the kids, but then also overseeing the church, having to step up to my role. And God was loving on her in South Africa. Isn't that wonderful? So here's the thing. If I were to try to go buy something like this with a pastor's salary, it ain't going to happen. I mean, I could rob the place, but this is, not, this is not within my scope, not yet anyway. But God went over and above for us to show his love. And I, I was reminded again, thank you, sweetheart. I was reminded again that there's more from him to be known. There's more. I want you to look down to verse, verse uh, 10. Where are, is it verse 10? Of Colossians 2. And you are. What does that next word say? Say it loud. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? You are complete in him. That word complete is an interesting word. It's the Greek word pleroo, P-L-E-R-O-O, pleroo. 
and it means replete or abundantly supplied, but it also has a literal meaning to it. And the literal meaning means to cram a net or to fill a hollow. To cram a net or to fill a hollow. Now, what's extraordinary about this is that it says that you're complete. You have this in him. In him. And the way that makes it sound is, is there's, there's, there's enough or there is abundance. There is bigness to being in him, isn't there? There's, an, there's plenty. There's satisfaction. I thought it was interesting that it has those two definitions, those two literal definitions there because of the whole life of Jesus. The very last miracle that Jesus performed was after he was raised from the dead. And in John chapter 21 and verse 4, let's bring that up. Let's just read here for a moment. Look at this. This is powerful. It says, And when the morning had now come, this is after he was raised from the dead, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of what? The multitude of fish. What did he do? He crammed their nets, what he did. Next, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged in the sea. God bless Peter, huh? He puts on his clothes and jumps in the water. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Verse 9, then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and a fish laid on it and bread. Verse 10, Jesus said, then bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to land full of... And wanted to make us know that this wasn't just a, any fish that he filled it with large fish, full of large fish, 153. Now, that is a fishing trip, isn't it? One cast, 153 fish. And although there, large ones, and although there were so many, the net was not what Jesus did. He crammed their net. The very last miracle Jesus performed was this miracle. We go back to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and we come up upon a wedding in Cana. And John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Now there were there are six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. What's he doing? He's filling the hollow, isn't he? Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now we know the rest of the story that the water was turned into wine. And I always, I always have this thought that you know, we receive communion here at least once a month in our church. And that if you ever taste wine, if we ever have communion, you taste wine, you just need to know that he did it again. All right? <laughs> uh, that was really dumb. Um, so he fills a hollow there. And it says that it was, these water pots were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. All right? So let's just go conserve. Let's just guess there were 20 gallons. So Jesus produces 120 gallons gallons of wine. Now, they just thought the party started, right? When Jesus started, it went into hyperdrive, right? And if they ran out of wine, it says they ran out of wine, right? And even the master of the feast says, when we have well drunk, then you bring the inferior wine, but you've brought the best. 
right? So they had well drunk, and then Jesus brought some more. What is that saying? What is that teaching us? Well, you can just go out and get drunk because Jesus produced wine. No, that's not what that says. <laughs> that's not the issue at all. Because it's really not about the wine. It's about the supplier of the wine. Wine was the need, and Jesus taught us how God meets a need far more than what we could ask or think. They didn't need 120 gallons of wine, but Jesus gave it to them because that's the kind of giver he is. He does not meet our needs according to our need. He meets our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the very first miracle and the very last miracle, they're the bookends of his ministry, and we see over and above. We see an excess amount so that we would always remember that everything that we need is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fully satisfies the longing of our souls. He is the fulfillment of the dreams that we dream. He's the essence of everything that we hope for, everything that we're looking for. It's all found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's more than you could ever ask. It's more than you could ever imagine. It's more than you could ever wonder about, more than you could ever talk about. He's greater. And in him, the scripture says, you find completeness in him. Are you okay out there? Let's finish up now. Let's go to verse... uh, Uh, Is it 11? Colossians 2. Continue from there. Hmm. In him you also were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 12. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in what? The working of God. So that we all understand that there was a work that saved you, but it wasn't your work. It was God's work. Who raised him from the dead. That was the work he performed. Who raised him from the dead. Look at this, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. There were two problems. Two problems with us. One, we were sinners. And number two, we weren't Jews. So we had the spiritual problem and we had the natural problem. Cut off from God. He... He, who, Jesus, has made alive. Say, that's me. He has made alive. You had these two problems. At one time, God's blessing was only on Abraham and his sons. That's it. Just the children. Even when Jesus came, he said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His entire ministry while he was on the earth was to the Jews. It was exclusive to the Jews, to the people of God, to the children of Israel. But now... He has made alive together with him us who were not Jews, us who were dead in our sin. He has made us alive. Together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, you need to understand the, the, the real power of this today, that he has forgiven you all your sins. So I want you to say this with me. He has forgiven me of all my sins. Even that one. Even that one. Even that one. This Greek word. Did I say that Greek word is pleuruo? I was wrong on that one. Oh, no, no, yeah, it was. That was early. This one's called paratoma. The word for trespasses is paratoma. P-A-R-A-P-T-O-M-A. I love doing studies like that. 
It's really powerful. The word for trespass is paraptoma, and it means unintentional error, all right? Now, this is talking about the kind of sin that you, you weren't, you just kind of found yourself at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, somebody cut you off in traffic, right? And you got caught up in the moment, and you gave them the, the one-finger blessing, right? <laughs> And you're thinking, oh, I don't know better. I know better than that, right? You just kind of got, got angry and you lashed out and you said something to your spouse you shouldn't have said, you know, you shouldn't have said that. Or to your kid, you reacted out of something. You know, you just got caught up in the moment. Or you were hanging out with people and you were daring each other to do stuff and you found yourself doing something really stupid, right? You just got caught up in the moment. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The unintentional is not that you were out just trying to do something bad, but you find yourself doing something bad. Unintentional errors, all right? Not accidental. <laughs> And I don't believe there's anything as accidental sin. Otherwise, we don't really have free choice. Our will, we always choose, right? God has given us this power of choice, right? But you, did, you weren't planning on it. But it doesn't leave it there. It does not leave it there. Unintentional error and willful transgression. Now, see, that's the part that ministers to me probably the most. Because I, I, can, I, can, I, I can deal with Christ forgiving me for stuff I just kind of fell into, right? And say, Lord, forgive me. Why was I ever stupid? I got so drunk. I don't remember anything. Now, I'm not saying that. My wife, is, that's her kind of prayer. She, she prays. But, <laughs> under the, you find yourself under the influence of other things, you know, and then you just find yourself being stupid. But, but this is what gets me, the willful transgression. That's what gets me. I didn't find myself falling into sin. I was inventing sins to do. That's willful transgression. I was calculating it. I was premeditating that sin. See, now it gets a little quiet because those are the sins that we have a hard time believing that God would forgive because we attach ourselves as part of our identity to that. I'm such a pervert. Because of those things that we planned to do. So we think, why would God forgive me when that's in my heart to do? I, 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 I came up with that. I didn't fall into it. I, I originated it. I planned it out. I, and yet, the scripture says he's forgiven us all trespasses. Unintentional and willful. Now, when I was growing up in church, the preacher always told us that there's sin, but then there's willful sin right? And I was always like, I'm always willing. <laughs> oh my God, help me. <laughs> I've always been willing to sin. <laughs> is, there, is there no forgiveness for me? <laughs> Are you hearing me today? I want to help you today. Jesus forgave you. He's not going to forgive you. He forgave you. He did it. See, under the law, it was you forgive, and then your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that. But he taught it under the context of the law. But when he came up out of that grave, everything changed. No longer was it forgive so that you'll be forgiven. Now it's forgive because you have been forgiven. Yeah. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. 
So I'm not hoping for forgiveness. I'm not looking to be forgiven. I'm already forgiven. And that gives me the power, that gives me the freedom to walk in forgiveness every day of my life. I don't have this looming over me, this judgment waiting for me anymore. The judgment's passed. Forgiveness has been given. And I'm telling you this today so that you'll never exalt. You'll never exalt your sin above God's grace. You'll never exalt your sin above the power of the blood of Jesus and above his willingness to forgive you because it's done. It's done. Some of you need to really receive that today. Need to really receive that today and realize as bad as you've been, your bad ain't near as good as his good is. And let it all just get swallowed up in his grace and his forgiveness. Receive it. Receive his forgiveness so that you can live that overcoming life. Scripture says, sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace. Not under law. You're free today. You are complete in Christ. You have to be. Otherwise, God's a liar. You really have to be a new creation. You have to be that way. Otherwise, he did not accomplish what he came to accomplish. Let me, let me finish with this. Is, can y'all take five more minutes? Who will give me five minutes? Who will give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. It's an old preacher joke. It's still fun to say, though. Okay. But, uh, let's finish up with verse, Matt, let's go to verse 14. One of my favorite scriptures ever in Colossians chapter 2. So, okay, right? So we had this problem. We had this, we were dead in our sins. We were, we were out of covenant. And then it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. What's that? The law. He wiped it out, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. I don't know how people still today believe we've got to have the Ten Commandments. Because last I checked, it was nailed to the cross. Last I checked, the law has been done away with. All fulfilled in Christ. So listen to this. That is, Jesus completely fulfilled the law because he had 100% obedience to God. And then God took what Jesus did and credited you with his obedience. Whoo! He credited you with that. Jesus got blamed for your sin and you got credited for his obedience. That's why the law has been fulfilled. Having nailed it to the cross. Next verse. This is powerful. Having, having, <laughs> having disarmed principalities and powers. How much power does the devil have then? Well, the devil just took my car and he rammed it over into the side of the, uh, another car. He did? What about that scripture that says he's been disarmed? There was a time when the, when, the, when the devil had a lot more power because Adam handed it over to him. And we forget that Jesus took it all back. It says he disarmed him. What he did is just throw up your hands. I need all your guns. It's over for you. You have no more power. And he took all of the devil's armory that he had against us. Sin, sickness, disease, death. Took it all away from him. Rendered him powerless. Yeah, you understand today how defeated the devil is. He's so defeated. He has nothing unless you give it to him. 
Now, you want to talk about the power of the devil and you want to give it to him, well, go for it. I, I, no, I don't recommend that. Don't go for it. Please don't. Right? You want him to have authority? Then give it to him. The scripture says that he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He can't just go devouring anybody he wants to. If he wanted to devour anybody, he'd be throwing planes down from the sky, right? He'd be crashing cars. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. If he wanted to do whatever he wanted to, right? He would just, he would just run amok. I mean, he, does, he wouldn't know any end to that. But apparently he can't do that because he's been disarmed. But people empower him by giving him over their authority, their power. They don't realize who they are. They don't understand that they're made in the image of God and they are a powerful being in the earth. And, but if the moment they give way to him, the scripture says, whom he may devour. So he's looking for opportune moments that he may devour. This is not here to scare you. This ought to, this ought to encourage you today. So you may not. Amen. But Ephesians 6 says that, he, that we have the shield of faith. Whereby, by that shield of faith, we'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are these fiery darts? I mean, if he's been disarmed. The scripture says that the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire set on fire by hell. So what the enemy has is a voice. He has no power, but he does have a voice. And so he hurls these accusations at you. He hurls these, these deceptions at you, these lies to see if the entrance, if the door is open, if the opportunity is there. But the shield of faith says it quenches all of them. Amen. Cannot penetrate, cannot defeat faith. Faith is the victory. So the enemy's got a lot of things to say to you. But you don't have to believe it. It's the same old story from the very beginning. Hath God said the very first thing in the garden. He's still saying it today. Did God really, does God really want you healed? Does he really want you blessed? Does he really want to? Has God really said that about you? After what you've done, after the things you've said, you really think you deserve that? Nope, that's why I got grace. Thank God. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. And it's faith, the shield of faith. What is faith? It's believing and speaking. The spirit of faith is believing and speaking. That you believe it and you say it. The way that you defeat the enemy is to say what God has said about you. Get the word of God in your mouth and it becomes the most powerful force on earth, the highest authority. I know I've given you a lot to chew on today and to think about, but I want to encourage you today to understand that in Christ Jesus, you're fully complete, totally perfect in him. Amen. And you are forgiven of all your sins, all of them. I want to challenge you in this. There are people who have premeditated and intentionally set out to bring you harm and to hurt you. And today, you need to release them. Today, you need to forgive them. You know the old phrase, to err is human, to forgive is divine? Well, God brought you right into that same ability, that divine ability to forgive others. Amen. So you need to release him today, whether unintentional or intentional, even as God forgave you. Release them. You're only hurting yourself. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every eye closed for just a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for all of my family and friends here today. God, I want to say you, you're so gracious to us. You're so kind to us. 
Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you have elevated us to such a place called the heavenly places, seated there with Christ Jesus, blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've made us sons of God in the earth. Father God, I pray that we would simply be imitators of God as dear children. Lord, I thank you for all of these who are here today. And I believe that you've, you're ministering to people now. Even in their, their very heart, you're speaking to them. You're encouraging them. You're challenging them. Today, just between you and me and God, if you're here today and say, Pastor Eric, by faith right now, because I have received Christ's forgiveness, I choose to forgive the one that I have been one I have not released today, but today I want to release it. Just raise your hand right here between me and you and God. You're here. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hand up for just a moment. I want to see you. Thank you, Lord. Bless these, God. Bless them. Bless them, Father. Hallelujah. Release. And I pray right now for grace to come to them. I pray for peace now in Jesus' name to come to them as they, by faith, release and choose to love and not hold this debt over this person anymore or these people. But Father God, today they walk out of here free, free, fully forgiven and fully forgiving in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Eric, I'm not a Christian. I don't know God. I don't have an assurance that heaven is mine someday. I have not accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Today I want to be saved. Today I want to be born again. I want a life with God. Are you here? Let me just pray with you. You want to be saved? Listen to me. It's this simple, like I said earlier. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Believe that he rose again. Believe Believe on him. Are you here today? Say, that's me. I want to be saved. Or maybe you're away from God. You are saved, but you're just away from God. But today in this house... You say, I'm coming back to the Father's house. I'm like the prodigal son. Pastor Eric, would you pray for me? I'm coming back to my Father today. Are you here? Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless all these wonderful people today. And I declare great grace upon them now. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Pastor Brandon, won't you come and dismiss our family today? Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.